Welcome to Breaking Doctrine, presented to you by the Combined Arms Doctrine Directorate at the Combined Arms Center at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. The views expressed here are those of the individual and do not represent the views of the Combined Arms Center, U.S. Army, or U.S. Government. Welcome to Breaking Doctrine, a U.S. Army Combined Arms Center podcast on emerging doctrine and the Army's vision of warfare. Hello, I'm Major Lisa Becker, and this podcast topic is recruiting the all-volunteer force, focusing on the operational environment of recruiting and also developing leaders in the United States Army Recruiting Command, or USAREC. We welcome Major General Johnny Davis, Commanding General of the United States Army Recruiting Command, headquartered in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Major General Davis has served in command and staff positions around the globe, including deployments to Haiti, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Recently, he served as the Commanding General of the United States Cadet Command before assuming command at USAREC in October 2022. We also welcome our local Kansas City Recruiting Battalion Commander, Lieutenant Colonel Crystal Jones. She has served in human resource positions from the platoon to Department of the Army levels. She brings a unique perspective to our show today as a former MAPS Commander and most recently as the Senior Accessions Analyst for the U.S. Army Recruiting and Retention Task Force. Welcome to the show. Well, first of all, thanks, uh, Lisa, for having us here. And CJ, it's good to see you. It's not often that uh, I get a chance to travel from Fort Knox and have the ability to uh, to share uh, a podcast with one of my battalion commanders since there's over uh, 44 battalions and 256 companies that are spread across the world. Yes, thank you so much for just inviting us here today. I greatly appreciate it. I just came into the role as a battalion commander As we celebrate 50 years of the all-volunteer force this year, we also face an increasing challenge to sustaining the all-volunteer force, recruiting and retaining talent to fight and win our nation's wars. In 2022, we read bold headlines of the recruiting crisis as the Army missed its recruiting goal by up to 15,000. This year, headlines warn us that the Air Force and Navy will join the Army in missing recruiting goals. Today, I want to get behind those headlines and understand more about the challenging recruiting environment and also talk about the leaders in USAREC serving in local communities across our great country. Yeah, uh, thanks, uh, Lisa. And if I can add, uh, this is a great opportunity to share uh, what's happening on the ground. And I know CJ will, will join in with me. But this is uh, a really a tough environment uh, in terms of recruiting. But you know what? This is not just an Army issue. It's a, a world issue. I think I, I speak with my uh, friends who are you know business owners. I speak with my fellow uh, service uh, men and women who are leading their other surf, uh, service recruiting efforts. We are all witnessing the same uh, tough uh, recruiting environment. Next week or a couple of weeks from now, I will speak at a British uh, forum on recruiting. And guess what? They're dealing with the same problems as well, in addition to the 14 NATO countries that will join us there. So I just want to take the opportunity to share that. CJ? I would just add at this time, another unique challenge is uh, in terms of the MEPS, as you referenced, Military Entrance Processing Station. Right now, uh, there are a lot of difficulties and challenges across the nation with health care professionals in general. So just being able to get the consults and those sorts of things in a timely manner to ensure that those applicants are able to join our force as soon as possible. Okay. Let's dive into the doctrine because this is breaking doctrine. <laughs> I want to start off by understanding your operational environment, or OE. 
because I think it's important to understand what your command, your commanders, and recruiters are facing right now. As war fighters, we often think of the operational environment within the context of operational categories, such as large-scale ground combat, crisis response and limited contingency, or military engagement and security cooperation. But JP3O really defines operational environment in much broader terms, that it really applies to any set of circumstances. The definition in JP3O of the operational environment is the aggregate of the conditions, circumstances, and influences that affect the employment of capabilities and bear on the decisions of the commander. FM3O also has a few things to say about the operational environment. So I'm just gonna highlight a few things. The OE encompasses the five domains, so land, maritime, air, space, and cyberspace. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm assuming that recruiting is mostly land and cyberspace domains. Well, if it, uh, as we continue to mature, I wanna, I wanna recruit across all five domains. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. But I think what's more important are the dimensions, the three dimensions of the OE, which is physical, human, and information. And those are the three that really work together um, to influence those domains. Another aspect of the OE is that it better identifies problems and helps anticipate potential outcomes. It's also the precursor to effective action. And finally, I have to mention the operational variables. I think I would be remiss if I didn't un uh, mention that. So the operational variables are important for understanding the OE, and we know that as PMECPT. So political, military, economic, social inf information, infrastructure, physical environment, and time. In today's episode, we're not gonna go down the list of PMECPT, but I know we're gonna hit some of these variables throughout our conversation. So moving to the recruitment OE, I'd first like to understand the target audience for your recruiting efforts, Generation Z. So what do we know about Gen Z and what do we know about their propensity to serve? Well, first of all, that's a great uh, question. And uh, I'll tell you, um, you, you're bringing back a lot of memories from my time uh, in the, the hours uh, getting through class here at uh, CGSC or ILE. It's, it's very interesting. That was 20 years ago. Uh, you just brought back some memories. Uh, <laughs> and then it, what's more interesting, my daughter is a current student right now in the current class. So oh. just 20 years uh, and we come full circle. So what do you, when you think about the OE, you think about, I mean, I can link it to a lot of different things. I think information is really for us uh, the most important aspect when you try to relate my, uh, my current generation and the current uh, our generation Z. So let me give you an idea about that. So when, again, when I was a youngster, uh, grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My grandfather was a World War II vet. And in our neighborhood, the north side of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, all of the homeowners in, on that street, Palmer Street, were all Korea or World War II vets. And so they re related to each other, uh, and that's how I understood this, this really uh, special connection in, in terms of veterans. Now, fast forward, and in today's uh, age, that's not the case. So there's a, a you know relatability issue I think with the current generation. I think the generation is just as uh, 
powerful, just as dedicated, like all generations. But again, each generation is a little bit different. And in their case, information comes to them a lot differently than it came to me. So as I said, there's a relatability issue. And then more importantly, when you look at the data and you see that 75% of the 16 to 28 year olds admit they know nothing about the United States Army. And so that's really hard to comprehend uh, growing up and seeing uh, my my grandfather and our, the other homeowners, some were Marines, and I love their little, uh, how they would always uh, uh, fight against each other uh, because who's Marine? Not many Air Force, they stay quiet. Uh, but, uh, the <laughs> but to see that, that's what I remember, and I don't know if that's the case uh, nowadays. So we need to overcome this relatability issue, the knowledge gap, a trust gap, and a culture gap. But I think each generation is just so uh, very uh, important to this nation, but how I received information is a lot different than how they received information. Yeah, and I would just add the one thing I do commonly hear that uh, young adults are familiar with is commitment when it comes to the United States Army. Uh, one of the most common fears that I tend to hear is, you know, something to the effect of this is really a big commitment, right? And it's usually followed by this really, really long pause. Pretty awkward, actually. But interestingly, I would say, too, is I think it really is that knowledge gap in, in terms of what it is that they're actually um, going to be committed to in terms of the opportunities. So what I don't think is understood is that military service, it does offer an opportunity to explore different locations, gain different marketing skills that are marketable, try out different professions, and to walk away with zero debt to include the fact if they decide, you know what, I've been in a little bit and I want to go to college. That opportunity is right there. That door isn't closed. Um, so really, it's kind of a different way to look at it. It's almost like an extended gap year, if you will, with these benefits that often come with you know, a pot of money, depending on which profession that they choose to explore, and really looking at it as more of an opportunity rather than being stuck somewhere that they can't get out of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, in my research, I want to go back to what you were saying, General Davis. I found 19 million of veterans in the United States and the same kind of thread that you were talking about is there's just kids who don't or I should say youth who don't understand anything about the military um, now I understand that JROTC is an up-and-coming effort uh, that might be an opportunity for um, young people today to learn more about the military can you I know you were yeah. at Cadet Command uh, yes, so maybe you can yes. talk a little bit about this or yeah, that's, uh, that's I very personally involved with JROTC and this expansion. And again, I share my, my story as a, as a kid growing up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There was one JROTC program in the entire city. And I didn't even know about it until I joined the Army. But JROTC, after spending time, is the nation's greatest citizenship program for our, our young uh, high schools, wherever they are. So we're 1,700-plus JROTCs across the United States. Many of them are in the southeast. Uh, from Florida to Louisiana, all the way up to North Carolina, uh, about 60 to 70 percent. And we, we are slowly trying to explain, uh, expand our JRTC footprint across the United States. Because what we learned is wherever there's a JRTC, guess what? The students get higher grades. They stay in class. And oh, by the way, a, a, no, a great number of them, uh, 20, 30, 40 percent, depending on the program, go on to serve our nation. It's not necessarily the Army, 
but they go on to serve uh, other services. They may join the Marines or Air Force, but you know what? They all become better citizens, and that's what you, you hit on something very uh, you know personal to me. I have a daughter that's in JROTC, uh, but I want to expand it as 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 much as we can. It is a budget piece involved with this, uh, but we did get approval to expand an extra 25 programs uh, to go from 17, you know, 25 to 1750, and I would love to keep doing this every single year uh, until we can get it across uh, equal distribution across the United States. So just expanding to that a little bit, so sir, you mentioned citizenship. I'd also add it happens to be one of the largest character-building programs in the United States. Although military service is not required, JROTC clearly is built upon the same values and morals that are within our United States Army. According to congressional research, while research on comparable student populations is somewhat limited, there have been positive correlations between JROTC participation and what you alluded to, sir, in terms of the, the school attendance um, and as well as higher grades. The other things that it's showing is improved test performance, uh, which is remarkable when we look at student testing right now, higher self-esteem for female students, and then lower rates of disciplinary actions. And uh, you know, in Leavenworth, we pride ourselves on our JRTC program because I think it's one of the the biggest in the nation, and I know it's the oldest. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're we're very lucky. Have a wonderful program. There's another. Uh, there's there's five. I call them. You know, really superstar. Uh, you know, programs, and certainly this is one of them. We we're blessed, and they and they're not all in the right area. Like New York City, we have one with 600. And it's growing. We have another program in in LA uh, that's really blossoming, and of course one in uh, Chicago that's really blossoming. But this this distribution, I love it when a JRTC has a impact on the youth in a particular uh, region. Yes, sir. I'd like to shift over to COVID mm. because we hear about reverberations of COVID still today. Um, whether it's the global economy, economy is still switching or we still feel disruptions to the supply chain. Um, there's articles and research that shows that we have a growing mental health issues and substance abuse because of COVID. And also from a missed school perspective, there's research that shows there's a widening opportunity and achievement gap um, from that those um, kids who were in school or missed school during COVID. So how has COVID impacted the recruiting OE? So that's a great uh, question, and we're always analyzing that. But let me just be uh, frank. For two and a half years, we've had thousands of our high schools, over 90% of our high schools that were closed during the pandemic, and rightly so, but did not have a recruiter. I still remember my experience at Wisconsin Lutheran High School and a recruiter visited. Think about that not happening when you're developing, you're starting to think about your future and options. So I think that has impacted everywhere. And I can tell you it's everywhere across every zip code, we've seen a decrease uh, where that has been actively, and but it's coming back, uh, but there is a, uh, it has an impact. ASVAB or test scores are, have uh, dropped. SAT, ACT, ASVAB scores are down. Uh, high school, uh, really, production or contracts or the ability to you know transition and consider the Army is dropped. 
And I can tell you that by zip code, at, but we are starting to get back into the high schools and regain those markets that we lost. But the true fact is those mentors, influencers, and our great men and women in uniform were not in those, uh, uh, in those schools to, to talk and, sh and share their Army story. Colonel Jones, have you seen any other impacts? Um, I, I think really what you're alluding to there, sir, is the biggest impact is on the actual youth themselves. Um, what I have been able to witness firsthand, though, is when seeing our recruiters. So between 2020 and 2022, uh, there was a lot of limitations in terms of you know external entities within the schools. But what we've seen uh, since coming back into the schools is our non-commissioned officers really being able to utilize uh, their background, you know, in terms of being leaders, mentors, coaches, and trainers, and working within the schools. So, for example, uh, one of the things that we see is there is a shortage of school counselors. That ratio is, is pretty challenging. Uh, so we have some tools and resources to help with that. We have what's known as March to Success, uh, which uniquely, you know, we cannot absolutely um, be able to coach or anything like that with ASVAB, but it allows our NCOs to do one of the things they do best. And that is to engage and inspire people to keep on track with what it is they're trying to do. So they are able to see what modules they're completing, ask them how they're doing, um, and then having that secondary individual that can be in there as well, which is the school counselor, to have those other types of academic-related conversations. Um, and then the other thing I would just say is the ASVAB uh, career exploration program. So we have our recruiters in there who are actually doing what we call career seminars. They previously were uh, called uh, interpretations, and they're being able to kind of connect and walk through students in terms of looking for how do I explore all my options. That particular uh, program itself is looking at, you know, more than a thousand careers. So it's not that it's shaped towards the military. However, um, you know, we're just a part of that uh, larger picture. And so does the career seminars program, does the, is that one of those things that links an MOS real world so no, it, <laughs> no, so it's not directly to an MOS. Actually, it's a little bit better than that. I would say it breaks the ice barrier between understanding how to translate what an MOS is to people who only can understand the term career. And the nice thing that goes with that too is it, it opens up these conversations with educators. You know, what is AIT? A lot of them, believe it or not, think it's basic training. <laughs> and so taking that time to say, no, it's advanced individual training. And let me tell you some cool things about that. Um, CDL licenses, they're transferable, the ones that you get in the military for both Kansas and Missouri, which happen to be in my footprint. Um, or, you know, looking at uh, other things like being a licensed practical nurse. You don't necessarily have to go into a college classroom. If you're more of a tacit hands-on learner, we're probably one of the best fits for you. Mm -hmm. And have the recruiters, because they weren't in the schools, developed a new online presence? Have we learned any new TTPs or have good ARs from that so COVID experience? So we've learned, and that's a, a wonderful question, and, and we as a recruiting force, because of the pandemic, had to uh, evolve and adjust uh, given the current uh, environment. So what does that mean? So I've always said that every soldier, uh, everyone has their own superpower, has a special superpower in terms of depending on you know given the current pandemic what is how will you unleash your superpower and so what does that mean i i'm not a big social media guy 
but my daughters will take me to the promised land. <laughs> they will show me, they tell me, uh, I have this account or that account. This is dead. You got to change this picture, put this picture in. I mean, they have, the troop lead me to success. Uh, but I'm a big face to face person. So during a pandemic, that would have had a bigger impact on me. So I would have to learn another way. So social media, um, AI, virtual recruit. So there's programs out there that are recruiters, and I love it. Uh, that they are, instead of getting back into that high school market to these and connect with these students, it's showing up is one, uh, is one great aspect. But what they found out that to connect with uh, the other thousand students, they have to use the, the systems that these, uh, these students are using. So this is a, this is a broad you know, space that's really evolving, that's really caught me off guard uh, in terms of recruiting. I mean, the use of artificial intelligence, I mean, our younger uh, generation is really starting to master that, how to maximize use of smartphones, social media, getting a message across, and that's how they receive and, you know, send information. So you, that's, a, that's a wonderful question. I just, I think this is the way we are today. We're going to be a lot different five years from now. Because I'm old school and not Gen Z. Could you give an example of how you are using AI? Yeah, yeah. So we got a couple programs uh, out there that uh, recruiters are, are working. It's, I love it. They're working with uh, local colleges, and one in particular up in our uh, Albany Battalion is able to link in with, uh, with some subject matter experts who, who built a program to allow them to take the data from, let's say, a high school list and then provide back to them, hey, w here, here is a population that we think uh, would, if you contact, they might be able to, uh, instead of wasting your time, they may draw interest for them to contact you and then open up the discussion. Or else, before, we would just do the cold calls, which would be, you know, uh, or send out a, a billion texts. Uh, but now, it's helping the recruiter become more efficient in the prospect market that he's operating in, he or she is operating in. And that, I, 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 this is just developing and Device visited recently, a, a week ago, and he was so excited by it. But this is by a, a captain, a sergeant first class, and uh, a couple of staff sergeants. Yeah. Uh, so just recently, actually, I was talking uh, with the entity about artificial intelligence, and that was quite interesting conversation because the list that they were looking at getting, one of the ones I mentioned, I said, are we looking at integrating stop at list for community colleges? And the reason I say that is those individuals happen to be um, often interested in things like CTE as well as if you look at you know vocational uh, um, colleges or technical schools. And so that was something that we are looking to, to take a look at. Um, in terms of social media itself, uh, some individuals have taken to that better than others. <laughs> um, but those that are, what I'm noticing is, you know, uh, you know as people, the people we spend the most time with, if you had to name one person, would probably be you, right? Well, social media is kind of that unique opportunity in getting more of a self-awareness of yourself as you're trying to think, 
what is it about myself that I'm going to share and, you know, be able to connect with people that are, you know, your people or to be able to explain things to someone in a way that they may not have, you know, understood it otherwise. Yeah, if, if I can add, because this is developing and I'm always thinking through this because we, we execute an industry day uh, to bring in local uh, industry to help us fight through particular problems. My number one question for industry that will be published here is really in, if using artificial intelligence, how can we become more efficient and smarter executing the recruiter function, such as prospecting, processing, you know, um, future soldier management, how we train one another, all of those areas I'm asking industry to help us think through that. For example, in a perfect world, think about this. If we develop an AI program with the right algorithms that allow us to scan and screen medical records, because right now the way medical records are screened are the same way they're screened by a chief medical officer or a doctor 40 years ago. Wow. So it's the same, the same things that are bringing in people in the Army are still the person sitting there with a, a big you know, stack of medical records reviewing it. Think about having an AI type of algorithm built by doctors, assessed by doctors, approved by the medical professions that allow us to, to identify areas that we want to focus on, whether it's pulmonary, uh, ophthalmology, orthopedic, just based off of that. So think, you know, this is something that's very, I'm excited about, and hopefully this will expand. I know it will expand and we'll become better at this. Ma'am, you have some MAPS experience, so <laughs> how, does, how does that play into your calculus from your MAPS experience? So in terms of, of floor conversion and meaning the number of applicants that are going to actually show up the MEPS and get through, you know, from start to finish and, and to actually enlist, one of the biggest things is really um, across the board, people understanding processes. So when we actually do the quality control on our packets, um, what's needed inside of them is, is in there. Um, and that the information provided is as close to accurate as possible. Um, that said, uh, there are times where you're going to have things that were not disclosed that may show up, you know, when we do the pull through MHS Genesis um, that we have to address at that time. We're kind of, we're talking AI, which, you know, correlates to the data-centric army, I think, that mm -hmm. Secretary, Secretary. Wormuth, um really, that's one of her main objectives. So are there any other ways that you're meeting her data-centric objective? Yeah, that's a, you know, when we think about data, the first thing, well, first of all, I'm trying to transfer or look at our data processes. I think we operate, in order for me to see myself, it's hard when you're operating across 50 systems. Some uh, that were built in 1980, uh, 82 and and just been updated and some that have just been released over the last year I can tell you by zip code where we are seeing success in terms of accessions and I can tell you by you know if that's going up or down but you know what it, it can't tell me and what I think data should help me figure out is the why I'm always asking myself why is this happening here and not here Mm -hmm. And that's what I and I totally uh, see where the secretary is going with this 
in terms of how to inform our thinking to modernize and and be at the uh, and be relevant in the current war for talent this is something that i think about constantly and i'll tell you this is uh, an eye opening we're spending a lot but we only have so many resources just to relook our entire recruiter network cuz right now our recruiters are operating on i think 22 different systems under one big system so think about that 23 years old and it's the same systems that the recruiters 20 years ago were operating on under so we but i didn't i don't know from that use where i can improve mm-hmm. how can i use data to make that recruiter more efficient in their zip code does that allow me to say i need less recruiters or more recruiters all of these things are uh the data centric uh approach that i'm i'm trying to pursue uh does this doesn't happen overnight but this is i love it because it's i think we're going to have some breakthroughs in the way we do business i know ipsay is going to mature i know we're looking at AIE, other systems that we may potentially field. But in the end, I can fill a, fill the system, but what I wanted to help me understand is the why. Hey, what is the why here of this or that? Mm-hmm. I get that question all the time. Why is this certain group decreasing in enlistments? Why, do, why, do, why is this market going up 32% and this city, this top 20 market went down 8%? You know, every time I get those questions, I want to say, I wish I, I these are hard. <laughs> yes, sir. Does that make sense? Yes. So what I found uh, pretty interesting is, is when we talk about data, and the reason I say that is, coming into recruiting command, I initially thought regional was good enough to understand it's not. I was just at an engagement yesterday, the Sustainable Ozark Partnership. Um, and as I was talking to the individuals and preparing to discuss, uh, you know, the recruiting challenges that we're having, I realized, I said, I want to know which high schools the individuals in this room are actually representing that they either personally know a child in or that their own children are in. And it came to nine different high schools. So what I shared with them was looking at, you know, 2021, 2022, and 2023, um, kind of the last one highlighting it. You know, you look at somewhere like Waynesville, right? And you're like, oh, wow, that's great, 23. Well, one of the other schools was two, and the other one was one for the year. I think it was eye-opening to them that sometimes people think, well, if you're near a military installation, then automatically that's going to result in a larger amount of people coming in. But questionably, how far is that reach, right? So is it 25 miles from a military installation? Um, But the cool thing was, was the opportunity to take the data in that region there and one of the recruiters we were able to actually recognize, she's working with 17 different high schools. Mm-hmm. So what we are seeing in two of the high schools that they had, she was able to take that information and kind of spread it. So I think data is not as simple as just looking at the numbers, mm-hmm. um, but understanding who we're talking to and making sure that it's tailored to them understanding, you know, start with your home, right? Then go, you know, to your city, then your nation, then the world kind of concept. Like you really have to start at that lower level. Yeah, local is, uh, and CJ's hit it right on the head, local is so important. So I, I have the ability uh, to visit Wisconsin. I was uh, throughout a pitch at the Milwaukee Brewer game. I, I did an enlistment uh, and future soldier uh, oath of office at uh, 
Lambeau Field and Green Bay during a uh, football game. And, you know, these were all great supporting my hometown. But what I didn't know was that the impact I had as a Wisconsin native on that local uh, population. So from my visit to Milwaukee, you know, led to an enlistment of a, you know, future soldier based on our interaction. Then I went to Madison or, or Green Bay and did the game. And we, matter of fact, we just ran a story on that about a month ago uh, for a, uh, someone who was in the stands. And when they shared my story, you know, from Wisconsin, Milwaukee, he says, you know what, within a week, he visited the recruiting station and said, you know what, I want to do this because the sky is the limit. Mm -hmm. So local impact is so very important. I've returned there for a, a Veterans Day. I spoke at my high school, 3,000 uh, people in attendance and the impact on the local environment. So I think CJ is onto something. It's still local, the power of local. You returning home, let's say Lisa, uh, to your hometown, guess what? Where you are, where, what you have achieved in the military, someone, you will make an impact on someone, I mm -hmm. guarantee it. Let's talk about the messaging, because we're, we're talking about the local level and the difference between the be all you can be campaign which i want to know a little bit more about that's you know at the national level and then what maybe you're seeing colonel jones at the local level in kansas city which is different from very different from miami or los angeles uh, your south dakota so let's first talk about the be all you can be campaign because I, I know a lot of people are excited about that well i'm excited about the be all you can be uh, so I love to, to share this. I had a Be All You Can Be poster. It was the tank uh, flying across the, uh, the road and said, this is driver's training. And, uh, of course, I had that. Of course, I had some other posters in my room, Star Wars, you know, other things. But, uh, yes, I, I'm, you know, I'm showing my age. But that revival is uh, something that really shares uh, with that generation that anything is possible. Anything is achievable and nothing can stop you. And that's what, you know, our, our great Army Marketing Office saw as a rebrand. Now, they've, they've put this out to many focus groups and influencers and all age groups. And guess what? There was five or six different um, potential campaigns. Everyone fell in love with the Be All You Can Be. So that's why we said, you know what? Hey, this is, that's a no-brainer. Uh, and it makes sense. And it's really a new brand identity. Uh, it reflects, again, this optimism, the pride, the rigorous attention to detail, all the things that, that pulled our great citizens to serve in the, uh, the Army. Uh, and we know that one, you know, one size doesn't fit all, so we had to tailor it uh, mm -hmm. to the audience. So I think as this ad campaign continues to mature, I think you're on to something in your question that we have to look at how we message the high school students, how we message the labor market, how we message college grad or vocational uh, grads, uh, and how we message, guess what, influencers like me. I'm a parent. I have uh, children who are in uniform uh, at this time. So this is, it's really exciting. We got a lot of positive feedback uh, from the rollout, and we have another rollout, the Secretary of the Army uh, is uh, approving that right now. I think there's three or four uh, commercials. I think you're going to like them. Sounds good, sir. It's, gonna, it's, it's a couple weeks, two to three weeks. 
CJ? Yeah, so it's been pretty neat just to see. Um, and I'd say in, in all of our areas, whether we're speaking Kansas, Missouri, or Illinois, is the fact that really it speaks to opportunities and options. What we're hearing from a lot of young adults, um, in addition to COVID, is almost like this boxed in, like, you know, what does a successful high school do, student do? Why they go to college and specifically a university? Um, so it's nice to be able to talk about things like the military. So it's almost like an apprenticeship model, right? You don't necessarily have to stick with X, Y, and Z, but how do you feel about trying it out? And then it's also offered the opportunity to talk about what our non-commissioned officers offer to them, right? So you're not in this by yourself. You're actually going to have someone that's a mentor that's there with you, that's going to be able to guide you, that's invested in your future when you talk about be all you can be. Um, and the last thing that has been really nice is been able to talk about what type of programs the United States Army actually offers in terms of even many of the challenges that we see from COVID. So you can talk about, you know, holistic health and fitness, for example, or you can talk about, you know, our sexual assault harassment and response prevention program. Mm -hmm. I actually had the opportunity just to talk about that yesterday. And I was saying two big takeaways I really want people to realize is number one, the sexual assault continuum is on point. You want to talk about it really starts at that smallest stage of, you know, a sexual window. And the other one was bystander intervention. Um, and so it was a good conversation that we had. And I think just as we look at be all you can be really is offering that healthy environment for someone to actually explore themselves and figure out what is it that they want to be when you say be all you can be. Yeah. And that, so and I think Lisa is another aspect of this, too. So when you think about the national marketing that, again, be all you can be. So got that and that really gets after the army message but i think cj was on to something you when you tailor it and the local markets is so very different and i can tell you it's different because certain markets will what with what time i can tell you many a majority of these uh students superstars will go off and serve as uav or cyber or that type of MOS, mm -hmm. and certain towns will yield a bunch of, you know, superstar airborne uh, uh, paratroopers. I can tell you by zip code, and, and yes, uh, with, you know, from Wisconsin, a lot of, uh, you know, combat arms, MOSs uh, in, the, you know, that place, but, but only in pockets, and it's local. So very interesting how this, um, you don't get the right distribution of all MOSs across every city. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And every area northeast is different from the southwest, totally different, and what they choose to serve in. I can tell you where we get our field artillery soldiers from, where we get aviators, where we get our cyber. I, oh, and it's eye-opening. That's really interesting because being in the Army, you don't think like, oh, there's all of, I'm in aviation. All the aviators just happen to come from this region or no one, no aviators that I work with have ever been in this area. So it's interesting to, for you to break that down from a, from the sessions piece. Yeah, it's, uh, I never knew a, about uh, the impact of a session until I really started to understand it in cadet command and now of course now in recruiting command. I'm, I swim in the sessions pool every day now and I learn so much about what, I mean, every area is so very different and then you almost, in terms of what type of, do you geofence? Do you just do local? Do you do billboards? Because people will say to me, hey, I saw a billboard. 
Well, the billboard's not working for us there. I'll tell you what works for us there is the local, you know, uh, uh, the, the social media Facebook page or this or that. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is very eye-opening. I want to shift to one of your recruiting initiatives that I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of but maybe don't know a lot about, and that's the Future Soldier Prep Course. So, sir, ma'am, if you could talk about the Future Soldier Prep Course, kind of the genesis of it, and is it working or not? Yeah, I can, uh, and I'll turn it over to CJ because I'll tell you, I, I think this is transformational. So the Future Soldier Prep Course, in a nutshell, is we have that we know that we're seeing some lower uh, test scores and other things maybe because of the pandemic isolation so we we said hey maybe we should invest in this uh this particular uh, audience those that did not do well on the let's say the ASVAB test and it could be a bunch of different reasons but let's run a pilot to find out if we bring them into a structured environment and we train, uh, teach them on regular uh, courses, math, reading, you know, uh, build, sentence uh, construction, all of these things. And we don't have to, build, you know, uh, run the, uh, the classes. It's run by an outside agency. Let's see how this all unfolds. And they, they get, let's make sure they do uh, PT. We put them in an army uniform and we serve them a great diet. What we found out is just that small investment uh, with, uh, we put almost 9,000 uh, superstar uh, futures, well now soldiers into the Future Soldier Prep course at a 97, about the graduation rates are about between 95 and 97%. We never expected that. The average test score increase on the ASVAB, so let's say you would be considered you know, as a lower grade type of soldier if your scores were between 21 and 30. So we would bring in soldiers that were in that range mm -hmm. who tested, let's say they got a 25, and after two weeks, two to three weeks, they will get a, they will score a 45 or a 50 on the ASVAB and, and propel themselves in the top category. And now it opens up many more MOSs. Yes, so, the, so they were told, hey, I, I want to be a UAV, we just had this. Uh, I want to be a UAV pilot, but he didn't qualify based on ASVAB. Future Soldier Prep Course, crushed it, 25 point increase. Now he, he uh, became available or, or qualified. That is un unbelievable. And that's why we see the other services following suit right now. Uh, the Navy uh, just set up a program, Air Forces, because they watch us. The Army leads the way. <laughs> and uh, when we do something, everybody watches. And when they see us witnessing success, everybody's on the train. So we didn't lower standards one bit. Quality over, you know, quantity. All of these are important factors because that's what we're judged against by the public. But investing in this, everyone loves it. Congress, Army senior leaders, because the data shows that, well, and we'll know longitudinally, you know, when we when we look at this three, four, five years, but I, I, I feel confident that they're going to continue to crush it out there in the armed forces. Some of them graduate and immediately are leaders in their basic uh, combat training or, be, you know, or mm -hmm. AIT. Think about that. And this is someone who would not qualify to serve in the military. Uh, yeah, so I, I would just highlight the fact it really is just a trademark of the United States Army and how we're willing to invest in young adults 
and and the success that they have after you know post-secondary life right um the other thing that's really kind of cool to see is i was at a fair recently actually and i was chatting with a young lady and we were talking about testing and things to that nature and she said you know that is just a real struggle for her so I mentioned the Future Soldier Prep course, and I also gave her the March to Success you know, website and the ASVAB challenge. And it seemed as though just by me mentioning that, this sense of she felt you know, seen, if you will, mm-hmm. and as though she really wasn't alone. And uh, she was really motivated. Um, we were doing one of those push-up challenges. And so I asked her if she wanted to do it, and she said, ma'am, only if you'll do it with me. And I said, Let's do it. So that's what we did, you know, and I think um, just knowing that people are willing to be beside you um, and that they, you, hey, you are someone willing to invest in. Um, and even if they're not at a point where they fully believe themselves by you doing that, it helps them to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's two tracks. There's, of course, the academic, which I just shared, but the physical track is another one. So if they're, and I, we get this a lot, we get a lot, a lot of young, uh, you know, future who are going to lead our nation, future superstars, I call them, who feel like, ah, I think I'm overweight. Well, yes, but we can invest in you. And so we also created that track uh, from the fit, you know, the fitness track of the Future Soldier Prep course. And that is also 95 to 98% success rate. So you put them in an environment, structured, the right, they're not, um, uh, their food intake is just, you know, the, the right the amount of calories per day, no different than any other uh, dining facility in the United States Army, and a lot of training, instructions, all that, 1.7% body fat loss every week, average. So this is all of these things. Again, we're investing in those that may not have picked up the, the right habits in terms of diet or fitness, and we're showing them what the possibilities are, and that's why I think we're seeing such success in the uh, Future Social Prep course. Sir, so for that track, do they also have the option to go to the educational piece and raise their ASVAB score? So they, yes, absolutely. So it's actually both. Uh, so we have both academic and physical. Uh, if they bo- if they need both, they will receive both. Okay. And we have a course that in- combines both. The last thing I want to talk about your OE for the recruiting environment is the low unemployment rates that we have. Um, anyone can drive down the street, walk down the street, and see we're hiring signs or now hiring. What's interesting is three miles down the road in Leavenworth, you see this big billboard for McDonald's. It includes the benefits. And the one thing I was really surprised about is that For an entry-level job, you can get tuition assistance through McDonald's. And I know that's one of the reasons why I joined the Army. So how how do you operate in that environment where entry-level jobs have so many benefits in corporate America? It's a very competitive uh, market. Matter of fact, this morning I saw we were just riding a bike and a van passed us, $20 an hour, 1,000 signing bonus. And so I think this war for talent is alive and well, and we have to be cognizant of that because I think uh, future servicemen and women have have uh, have options. I joined the Wisconsin National Guard to help pay for college. I think a lot of us made those decisions based on the value proposition. That value proposition, and I think 
employers out there know this more and more. Uh, my wife receives tuition assistance from her, her job, matter of fact, and a scholarship uh, to attend the University of Louisville. And she, she's excited now she's getting back into the classroom uh, just based off of uh, the job. So this is an area that we're really looking at. We have some great incentives to join the United States Army. No one can beat us in terms of the GI Bill, uh, post 9-11 GI Bill, college repayment, bonus, just the college repayment and the bonus over $120,000. But again, I think we just gotta be able to get our message out and let those understand that the Army value proposition is a good one. It is gonna be tough in the current market when you look at uh, the difference between you know an E1 pay. If you look at that simply by hourly, you know that that can be com comparative to many companies. But when you include all the other benefits, health, you know the uh, housing allowance and the food allowance, no one comes close. But again, this is something that we're we're fighting through. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I'm noticing is we actually have a lot of applicants that are a little bit later in their life, right? And they're oh, yeah. realizing. Man, if only I had joined earlier on. I just had someone actually, she's enlisted as E4. She has a PhD. Wow. So, um, but she's wanting to get one in a, in a different uh, field, which she's like, okay, I'll come in as a 68 whiskey, do that for a bit, and then look at applying for one of the programs. Um, I think in terms of talking about, you know, influencers, key people in, in life, uh, we definitely are competitive um, with other organizations that are out there but being able to really showcase that sometimes can be a challenge because um, you have to sit down and actually have the conversation about what does this mean but I, one thing I do think that we have that not necessarily everyone else does is uh, we get like our future soldiers plugged into things like our boss program and mm. what they're able to see is I can work hard, grow, do some cool things, which does make my parents happy. But guess what? I could go on these cool trips and have fun. Yeah. And so I think that balance is something that is a huge thing that the young adults get interested in. Um, and then it's just having that conversation with the parents so that they understand what's really being offered to their child. Mm -hmm. So now that we better understand the recruiting environment, I'd like to talk more about your organization and the leaders within your organization. So I'm going to throw in some doctrine, ADP 6-22, Army Leadership in the Profession. That uh, outlines the Army Leadership Requirements Model, which we often associate with the be, no, do. It consists of six attributes and competencies, character, presence, intellect, leads, develops, and achieves. Now, ADP 6-22 says that the competencies and attributes apply to all types of organizations and every echelon in the Army. A quote from the pub says, understanding the expectations and applying the attributes and competencies prepares leaders for the situations that are most likely to encounter. Now you can tell me doctrine's wrong, or you can say it's right, sir and ma'am. Do you agree that the leadership requirements model applies in the recruiting environment? Oh, absolutely. I, I, so let me just uh, touch on uh, two leads and develop in a geographically dispersed command where let's say CJ's responsibility may be uh, to, uh, in terms of recruiting could cover two states. I have 1,800 locations around the world. So I have to figure out, you know, based off of the, you know, 6-22, what, what competencies, what, what attributes I need to uh, focus on to connect with this 
this particular command or organization, and then how do I operationalize that so that I can I can say a lot of things, but how do I communicate my uh, vision, and then how do I mission command that across an organization? I wish I had the opportunity, like I did, you know, years ago. If I wanted to make something happen with my company, I would say company formation, <laughs> and we'll have all 140 out there, and I'll say, okay, everyone will sign the blue form. Now try to say that when you're a company commander with seven different stations across uh, two states, or a battalion commander that has five different states and 40 or 50 stations. So the leads and develop are, my, my thing is how do I lead, and then more importantly, how do I invest in our future leaders like CJ and other battalion commanders? Because at some point in time, I have to pass the reins on, and that next generation will mm-hmm. take us into the future. That'll be you, Lisa, it'll be CJ. These are, these are things that keep me up at night, and I think these, these again, uh, the six attributes are so powerful. We must and we cannot shy away from it. We must follow them and keep driving on, but you have to tailor it to your situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just adding to that, so looking at four of the seven principles being uh, starting with training and then three of the others development. So training being, you know, the basic set package, but it really has to be tailored. And so I think it really leads to that and then the whole development piece of it, ensuring that individuals are prepared because mission command is really, really uh, critical in this um, because people have to be prepared to operate independently. And to everyone around them, they are literally a billboard of the United States Army, mm-hmm. unquestionably. Um, so I think that definitely lends to being the right model to help with that. And when you look across your top performers, whether they're recruiters or commanders, can you correlate a specific attribute or competency to those most successful leaders? Yeah, first and foremost, I think that number one is being able to share your army story on who you are. Doesn't matter. You don't need a a particular doctrinal uh, term that you got to follow. Just share who you are. That is a strength, uh, you know, skill and attribute in in and of itself. I will share another one. Always approach it from a you know, I'm going to win. You got to have that winning work ethic. And you got to have nonstop drive because our force uh, depends on each and every one of you to, again, as a recruiter, you're filling our formation with the future leaders. And again, many like me will, will transition, but I want to be able to say I've done my part and opened the, the door uh, for you know, additional progress from our future. So if I only had one to choose, um, I lend into the fact when people say the term leadership or development, often they don't say self-development and Mm -hmm. self-leadership. So fundamentally being able to get to know yourself and develop yourself. But a really great thing about that is to be able to take that kind of leverage and empower the individuals you're working with. So young, you know, adults, students, to be able to do the same things for themselves. Thanks. In General George's confirmation hearing for Chief of Staff of the Army to the Senate Armed Service Committee, he mentioned looking at the recruiting structure 
sir, could you share some of the initiatives with the structure yeah. of the recruiting? Yeah, so that's a great uh, point. What we have to figure out, and again, I, it goes back to that data-centric. Yes, sir. So what, what I want to know is where am I successful, and therefore, should we have recruiters in the same spot that they were when I was 18? And so what has the population has, uh, and the population has moved, has, has migrated to other areas, cities have transformed, and so we are doing a 100% structure review, We're both uh, based on where our recruiters are located in terms of production and productivity, and then also our internal headquarters. Hey, do we need more health and fitness or wellness teams uh, given the, you know, the current environment to help out our recruiters and their families? We're also looking at a recruiter reallocation study, a recruiter assessment program. I think we're, we're executing more initiatives now in the last year than we have in the last 40 years. And it's all based on structure, personnel, facilities. It's all of the above. Mm-hmm. And no, you know what? These, some of these things have not been done in 20 years. And it's trying to do it all at the same time is hard. <laughs> but I share this with you because we have to get after it. Uh, and we'll get, we'll get there. Uh, but this has been an eye-opening experience. Sir, ma'am, thanks for joining us today. It's been an awesome conversation. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap it up? Well, anything? So I think the one thing that I would just like to emphasize um, as we're looking at at recruiting is looking at it broader than that and doing as much as we can to help young adults explore all their options that are out there and just making sure you include us. I'm not saying we're the right answer for every single person, but I guarantee you there are some people who will end up on a path that is not ideal for them if they don't know about us. Yeah, I think that awareness and relatability piece, uh, CJ, is absolutely right. We are, first of all, it's great to be here and share uh, this uh, time with you. As you can tell, we are all in uh, for recruiting and this wonderful uh, Army. There's so much to be done. We're not done yet, but it allows us to really see ourselves and improve upon some great processes that work and some things that we probably need to refine. But bottom line getting out there, sharing your story, sharing what makes you so powerful and uh, so successful and and uniform, and all those who are listening, just remember, in the end, it's all about the people, and people matter. Uh, So with that, I just want to say thanks to everybody. Be all you can be. Thanks for joining us. Just like writing new doctrine is a team effort, breaking doctrine takes a team. Without the crew and special doctrine division here at CAD, we wouldn't be able to bring you this show. Our production is coordinated by Mr. Ted Crisco, and our editing and sound is provided by 29 Pixels and Captain Wyatt Harper. Please don't forget to subscribe on Google, Apple, or Spotify podcasts, and follow us on social media at US Army Doctrine to get updates on new podcasts, Doctrine Digest videos, and publications. Finally, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official position of the United States Army, the U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command, or the Combined Arms Center. I'm Major Lisa Becker, and this has been Breaking Doctrine.